0: John chapter 5. John five. I welcome you. you're visiting for the first time. It's great to have you here. We have been spending our first month together looking at uh, instances where Jesus and God met people at the well and uh, kind of tying it into that big sign in the front of the building there and people wondering why do you call it the well and, and we've seen in the last three weeks that there pretty significant things have happened when people have met Jesus at a well very profound and, and uh, in John 4 it was the Samaritan woman and if you remember that, Jesus knew her story Jesus knew her story, and he, and he ultimately offered her living water. And we looked at that last Sunday, what is living water? And, and you know, as opposed to, to, as we saw in the Old Testament, the challenge last Sunday was, are, are we... Do we have these cisterns? In the Old Testament, in, in the biblical times, they would have these wells dug into the ground to collect rainwater, and they would try to plaster the inside to prevent leakage... And, and we saw last week, the challenge was, are we in our life trying to fill our lives up and they're broken cisterns? You know, we're, we're trying with success and money and prestige and titles and accomplishments and possessions, and, and it's really all broken cisterns, but we keep trying to fill it, we keep trying to, to meet our deepest need. And we were, we were appointed to Jesus last week as, as a source of living water. Right, and, and, and we were challenged. Okay, Maybe it's time for some of us to stop trying to fill up Our deepest needs, our deepest hungers Our deepest thirst at the human level With things that really don't satisfy And come to the source of living water Which is Jesus And In Genesis 16 we saw uh, Many believe Jesus meet Hagar At the well And the well was named by Hagar The well of the living one who sees me And in that passage Hagar had run away from a very difficult situation, and then we saw in that interaction uh, with God that He said, No, go back. Go back with me and go back with a promise from me. And we were, we were challenged in that instance at that meeting at the well. Say, Are there issues in my life where I tend to run away? Are there difficult circumstances that I just don't want to face, that I go into denial, or I find myself distracting myself and getting busy? Because I don't want to deal with that person, and I don't want to deal with that situation. So, so in some ways, we, we run away, right? And we saw that God met Hagar by the well of the living one who sees me. And in fact, he asked her, Hagar, what are you doing here? And she said, quite frankly, I'm running away. <laughs> and, and we were challenged with who we are in Christ and his promises. For some of us to go back Into those very difficult situations Those very difficult circumstances With him To go back in relationship with him To go back in his power To go back in his strength To go back with his promises And, and the crazy thing is The circumstances may not change But you will and and even very practical ways. Some of you are probably thinking that tomorrow morning you're not looking forward to going back to work. Oh, I got some Amen's there. Okay, got some Amen's there. Right? Uh, anyone got a challenging coworker? Boss? Are you the challenging coworker, Justin? Oh, you are you the boss then? But be careful because your wife's your coworker, Scott. It's only you two. So correct? Right? Right, So so we have these situations in our life that are like, oh, oh man, is this ever going to get better? And that's what happened with Hagar. She got to this point where it's like, peace out. I'm done. I have no more hope. The only, the only idea I have is to get away. And she had this interaction with the Lord at the well, of the living one who sees me, which means he knows your circumstance. He knows my circumstance. He knows that person in that situation that you're pretty much done with. And by faith, because his desire is to transform us, he says, no, I want you to go back. But I want you to go back differently. I want you to go back with me and see what happens. And see what happens. That's the step of faith. That's the step of obedience. And so we've looked at that, those two stories, primarily the last three weeks together. Today, I wanted to kind of look... At another story that has to do with the word well, but it's kind of a, a play on words. John 5, Jesus we will see, in John 5, Jesus asks, an, uh, paralyzed and invalid do you want to get well. well? Right? Do you want to get well? And I thought it was kind of fun as we close out June together to ask that question and to understand what was Jesus why, why would he ask that question? Do you want to get well? Right? So let's look at stories in John 5 and we'll read it together And then we'll come back and and see what the Lord says to us. John 5, chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there And walked. Okay, we're gonna stop there for this week. Now, I want to put this in context. We're gonna focus on his conversation with, with the with the man who had been an invalid for 38 years, but but we have to understand what was really happening in John 5 in light of all of the Gospel of John. Okay, in John 20, you don't have to turn there. John 20, verses 30 and 31, John tells us the whole reason for the Gospel of John. And here it is. It says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these, including what we just read, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So in the broader context, this miracle, okay, that Jesus performed was part of the broader context of him saying, hey, I'm the Christ. I'm God. And if we kept reading in this chapter, what we see is the Pharisees get angry because this healing happens on the Sabbath, Right? So the, the, the religious leaders get really upset. They're not even celebrating this guy being healed. They're more torqued off than it happened on the Sabbath. Right? Talk about a, a wrong focus. And in, that, in this passage, Jesus ends up saying, hey, you know what? My Father's working, I'm working. And, and that really wigged him out. <laughs> because what he did was he equated himself with God. Him. So in the broader context of of what we just read, those first nine verses, understand that this is part of the Gospel of John, where Jesus is being presented as Christ, Messiah, God. Okay? And into this comes this this, uh, interaction, verse one again. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colonnades. Here a great number of uh, disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Okay, So the setting is an and archaeologists have actually found, they believe this pool, they actually believe there's two pools next to each other, and there's porches, right, five of them, kind of like this stage, and there's two pools, and around these pools, it says here, right, there's various people, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, what's interesting, if you have the NIV version, or the ESV version, I think the NASB, if you look at your verse numbers there, Right? What What do you notice? If you have an NIV. There's no number four! There's no number four! Right? And uh, if you have the King James, you're going to say, wait, I got a number four! Because the King James has a number four. Why is that? Just really quickly to so understand. The Bible translations were built, were, were based upon manuscripts. Okay? And, what we have now is such a um, a legitimate authoritative accurate translation built upon hundreds and thousands of manuscripts Okay, what they discovered in the process of all these manuscripts because they would discover manuscripts and they'd be able to date them what they discovered is that the older manuscripts no manuscript before AD 400 had verse (coughs) 4 had verse 4 So what they believe is that somewhere along the line, a scribe kind of added verse 4 in later manuscripts to try to explain, look at verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down. That stirring of the water, they believe that a scribe felt the need to explain why the water got stirred. So if you have a King James, or here's what it says. Just here's, Here's the verse that's omitted. It says, they waited for the moving of waters, verse 4, if you don't have it. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. So they believe that this scribe felt the need to add verse 4 and to explain why the water moved. And what he said basically was, it's a supernatural event every once in a while. An angel comes down, stirs up the water... And once everyone sees the water move, basically it's a big race. They all race. They race, and the first one to touch gets healed. Right? Earliest manuscripts don't have that explanation. So what what they believe is, A, it might have been just a supernatural thing happening. Okay? B, it might have been tradition, maybe just kind of a, a legend. Right? C, the stirring of the water might have been a natural spring with some sort of therapeutic or medicinal properties that actually helped people get well, okay? So that's, that's the historical context of why there's not a verse 4. But in, in agreement, something happened. Mm-hmm. Enough for all these people to be there day in and day out. Now, this guy had been an invalid for 38 years. We don't know how many years he was actually camped around there. But he was camped around there long enough to have an attitude and a heart change, Okay? Look at, let's keep reading then, verse five, right? One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Again, we don't know for sure how long he had been actually around the pools. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned, it doesn't mean that Jesus figured out, know, Jesus already knew, it means he knew. When Jesus saw him, saw him lying there and knew that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, "Do you want to get well?" Third, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Crazy question if you think about it, right? Jesus shows up, knows the guy has been an invalid for 38 years, comes up to him, and just says, Hey, you want to get well? What would you think would be the obvious answer? Yes! yes! But look what he says. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Apparently, he's been there long enough to get frustrated. He's been there long enough and has tried long enough and failed enough times to now the obvious answer isn't the obvious answer. Now his focus is on all the reasons it can't or won't happen. Suddenly, it reveals sort of an attitude of discouragement. Right? Maybe it, I, I, this is just my lot in life. I guess this is just what I this my cross to bear. <laughs> right? Yeah. Situations in our life, you and me that have that, just gone on and on and on, and you're trying your best. You're trying your best, but someone always seems to get the promotion. Someone always seems to have the breaks go their way. Right? Someone, someone at Bible study always seems to get the answered prayer. You ever been in there? Anyone ever been in a prayer group where it's time for praise reports and everyone somehow but you gets an answer to prayer? Right? You're like, is it I, Lord? <laughs> you know what's wrong with me? It can wear on you. Repeated failure. Repeated discouragement. Right? And into this comes Jesus. Hey, you want to get well? And what was he doing? He wanted to reveal a bit of a heart issue. Wanted to expose, what what are you focusing on? Right? What does Proverbs say? Guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life. And so this, this invalid, instead of just saying, yes, can you help me? He's like, yeah, I've been there, done that, bud. <laughs> Who are you? Where have you been? Right? I mean, there's even a sense of defensiveness. Like, what? It's not my fault. Right? You ever felt defensive when something's gone on long enough? And, and then someone wants to help you, but you take it completely the wrong way? It's not my fault. It's, 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 and we give the list of excuses and the list of reasons and everything like this. And so at a certain point, if things in your life and my life keep going on and on and there's discouragement and frustration and failure, how many of us have ever gotten to the point where the obvious answer isn't so obvious anymore? Right? And, 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 and you want to do your best. And maybe maybe you try even to share Scripture with someone. Maybe it's the other side. And you're like, hey, you ever... You ever Think about Jesus in that relationship. Oh that's <laughs> that bad. right? Even, even if you tried to, to bring them to Jesus. But someone is so shut down already, someone is so hurt, someone is so angry, someone is so depressed that, that they're even just shut down to you wanting to help them. And so this is this is really instructive for us who are maybe dealing with this morning something that's just going on and on and on. And you're like, And it's also helpful for us who want to come alongside our friends, our brothers and sisters, our family members. you got to be sensitive. Sometimes with the best of intentions, you come in and you're like, Hey! Just read that! <laughs> <laughs> and you wonder why they're like, whoa, 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 time out. Right? They're kind of like, there's pushback. Yeah. Why is there pushback? Because we come in and we're like, Here you go. and And they're like, you have no idea how I feel right now. This has just been a marathon for me. This has just been going so long. And, and here's the thing maybe you just approaching them with love and sensitivity and truth, we're not saying don't share truth. Maybe it'll give them a glimmer of hope. See, right now, there's a lot of people here in this valley and around the world. And if you if you get caught up in the news and the current political situation, global situation, there's a lot of people that are kind of wondering if there's any hope. And the more it drags on, the more the the emotional, the anger, and everything that's going on, right? And so there's a part of us as believers where we come out and we want to be self light, but we have to do it with compassion. We have to understand that, that what may be glaringly obvious to us some other person who's been dealing with it for so long, here's the thing, they just don't get it. They're just not there right now. They're so wounded, they're so hurt, they're so angry, even at God, that it's just all they can do just to, just to keep on keeping on. And so this, this guy who's been there for 38 years, you would think he would have said, yes, please, help me. He says, nah, then they done that, sorry. What's your name again? <laughs> he didn't even, this whole conversation happens. He didn't even ask Jesus his name. He said, well, who are you? Right? And, and I was thinking of this today, in light of this question, do you want to get well? And my guess, my guess is for me, and for you, whatever you may be going through, whatever you will go through, I'm guessing at some level, we would say yes. I do. Right? Yeah. I want to get well. Yeah, I want this long thing to be done. I want to move on. I'm tired of feeling stuck. I'm guessing many of us would say, yes, I want to get well. But what are some of the challenges to that? What are some of the challenges? And as I was was thinking about this and and thinking about where the invalid may be with this heart issue, I couldn't help but think that that in any ways he represents us. He can represent us. Because here's the thing. Sometimes situations in our life go on for so long that not being well feels normal. Not being well feels normal. Right? And so along comes Jesus and says, do you want to get well? But here's the challenge. What do you do when getting well doesn't feel good initially? What do you do when making things right doesn't feel right initially? Because you're so familiar with being unwell. You're so familiar with things not being right that that's your normal. And so along comes Jesus and he says, you want to get well? (sighs) I kind of do, but I'm kind of used to this. See the challenge? To get well requires change. And sometimes, even when we're in unwell situations, as much as we just desire to get to the greener pasture, I'm kind of used to this. I'm kind of familiar with this. And now Jesus, what he's really asking is, are you really willing to change? Are you really willing to To change. And that's tough because, I don't know about you, but when things aren't right, I'm pretty good at making workarounds (laughs) to make do, right? Anybody here, if I go outside in the parking lot, anyone have a crack in your windshield? Thank you for your honesty, (laughs) Right? What do we typically do with cracks in our windshield after a period of time? We either get it fixed right away, many of you are diligent in that way, but well, what happens to a crack in your windshield after a certain amount of time? Okay, it can get bigger, but what do we tend to do with that crack? Ignore it! We just look past it, right? Right? Or we do a little workaround. around like, so Isn't it amazing how the rock hits right in the middle? Like, how does that happen? It has the whole windshield and it hits right here. So, so either you look past it, or it's so funny, you drive a little differently. <laughs> Right? And if you do this enough, you get what? Used to it. Right? It can happen in your house, it can happen, right? How many of you desire to have that clean house? <laughs> things put where they belong. Yeah. Right? Right? Well, you know the second law of thermodynamics, things go from order to disorder. So we all live that, right? But how many of you just desire? You get how many of you get motivated and you're like, it's house cleaning day, everything where it belongs, and it's done, and you're like, oh, this is good, and you call a family meeting, and you're like, children, this is how it shall be, and sport in this domain. How many days does it take for it to go back? Right, not even a whole day, and you're like, ah, let's just live with it you're stepping over clothes and you're balancing stuff on the trash can Huh? Huh? How many of us balance stuff on the trash can? You just make do, hoping that someone else will finally take it out. Right? We are so good at what? Making do. We're really good at making do. To the point where if someone came in and said, "Hey, I can help you organize your house," What would you say? <clears throat> Not our house. <laughs> right? It's almost like the, the, the invalid. <clears throat> Organize our house, right? How many of you ever watched those shows on TV? Those makeovers? Yeah. You're like, <clears throat> <laughs> right? Right? Because what? We're used to disarray and we just sort of live with it. It's our comfort zone. So along comes Jesus in the areas of our life and he says, hey, you want you want to be well? And you're like, eh, but I'm comfortable. i got a comfort zone. i got a, I got a vibe. I know how to do this, right? I can get up at night and I know where the shoes are so I miss God. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest, I know where they are. you got to like, feel you your way up. Yep, good, I knew it. We make do. We don't put the shoes up. We dodge the shoes. Because yeah. we make do. We're really good at making do. If someone came in and reorganized it, how many of you would be lost in your own house? <laughs> you wouldn't know where a thing is. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? So that, that's kind of like trying to help us understand the challenge when someone says, hey, do you want to be well? When we're not used to well. We might not even know what well means anymore. And initially, when we take steps to get well, here's the crazy thing. It doesn't feel good. We're awkward. We're clumsy. We blow it. And it it takes some tenacity. And it takes commitment. And it takes repetition. And it takes teachability to learn how to do it well. Because we're trying to unlearn all the bad habits. That's the challenge for us. In trying to get well is that it requires change, it requires movement out of our comfort zone, it requires unlearning habits that sort of we develop to work around. They're workarounds. That's, That's challenging for us. And so into that, Jesus says this morning, do you want to get well? Do you believe, right? The invalid, not knowing who Jesus was, pretty much responded to Jesus as if he was like, well, who are you, man? Right, Just a human. Do you believe today, first question, do you believe that in a relationship with Jesus, he can make you well? That he actually has that power? Alright? Do you believe that Jesus can make you well in your situation, right? And then, are you willing, okay, you're saying, are you willing to do whatever it takes to get well for as long as it takes. I love this quote. It's very challenging. It says this. An eastern beggar often loses a good living by being cured of his disease. Right? As bad as our current situation is, at least we are familiar with it. We know it. It won't surprise us. We can be more comfortable in our present misery than taking the steps we need to be free. That's challenging. We all, at at one level, want to to be well. We want to be free. These things that shackle us, these habits, these behaviors, the things that we know are unhealthy, things that hurt us, hurt others, we want to be free of it, and yet there's something in us like, God, but this is what I know. This is what I know. And, And I encourage you, if you're trying to help someone through something, and maybe out of something, this might help you to understand them. It's not that they don't get what you're saying. It might be just an issue of their will. Their willingness to change. Their willingness to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to get well. To do it right. Right. So are we there? Do we have the willingness to get well? There was a gentleman who who in response to this passage says this, It's hard to change. It's scary because you get comfortable with the way you are. Even if you know that the way you live is not good, change is scary. It takes a lot of faith to truly want Jesus to change you. Sometimes it's easier to stay the way you are. It's just easier. It's just easier. And it's tough. When you leave here, if you say, Lord, yes, I want to get well. Here's the area God's going to speak to you this morning. And say, this area. Well, here's the challenge for you. When you leave here, the challenge is to make it real. And to stick with it as long as it takes. The, the scripture calls it putting off the old and putting on the new. It's day in and day out. Day in and day out. Right? It's, it's sanctification. So what we've been talking about for a year and a half. It's sanctification. So it's, it's an issue of do you really believe Jesus can, can heal you? Do you believe Jesus can make you well? Do you do you will? Are you willing to do what's necessary? And maybe a third, a third hesitation for us in this area. If we want to get well, we need to admit that we need to get well. Honestly, we just, we just need to come clean with God first, maybe with somebody. else. We need to understand it and admit, yeah, this isn't right. And you know what the hard thing about that is? When you've been doing something wrong for so long, when someone tells you what you're doing isn't right, it doesn't put a smile on your face. In fact, it's easy to start going, well, who are you? Who are you to judge? Oh, you're all legalistic now, aren't you? Right? Who are you? Are you my Holy Spirit? And all they're trying to do is show you something that they're seeing, isn't necessarily well or right. I remember several years ago I went through uh, the motorcycle safety course right at Camarillo High School, and, and if you don't want to take a test at the DMV, you can go for this two-day course at Camarillo in the student parking lot. You go on motorcycles and they run you through this this course for two days. So I'm out there and I'm taking the course and they have two instructors, and I'm out there and I'm you know you go over the walks, and all these do all these things. And I come around one time. It's a big circuit. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty good. But, and they told me that, that something was, my, my, for whatever reason, my, my arms seemed locked when I was riding the motorcycle. And I'm like, really? I go, yeah, we don't know why you're locking your arms, but you're locking your arms. I'm like, okay, let me try it again. And I went around again. Several times, they're like, you're locking your arms, dude. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I started to get frustrated. I started to get mad right? Because I don't like not being like right? right? <laughs> okay, elbow the person next to you. Say, yes, you, too. Right? So, so I'm going around there, and in fact, one time, they were over there, and I was on the other side, and and, and I looked over, and both of them went,
1: hell, really?
0: <laughs> now you're mocking me in front of all these people. You're like, Ahh. you know, I'm like, what is going on? And I kid you not. I... I was this close, just like quitting. I'm like, I don't get this. What are they talking about? Because they're seeing something that I, I cannot feel. In all of my senses, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling with my arms, how, and I'm doing okay, I'm making it through the course, so I'm not like failing the course, the actual obstacles, but they're seeing something, and they're trying to tell me they see something I'm doing that is not registering. And now I'm getting mad because I don't understand what they're seeing because my physical senses tell me the exact opposite. Right? And there was a struggle for a while. And you know what my struggle was? To actually believe them. My struggle was an issue of trust. That these guys weren't out to fail me because they wanted everyone to pass. They weren't out there to mock me. They weren't out to make fun of me. They were out there to help me be safe on a motorcycle so this thing that I was doing needed to be corrected. At, at a certain point, my angst and my anger dealt with whether or not I trusted that they had my well-being in mind. And see, sometimes in our life, God brings people into your life and they're trying to help you and you get what they're saying, but maybe you don't trust them. And that's what the hold of is. Then they're not trying to ruin your life. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They see the path you're going down. And they're trying to point things out. And they're saying, hey, we're seeing this. And in your mind, you're like, I don't, I don't see that. I don't get that. I don't know what's wrong with what i I don't see what the problem is with what I'm doing. And they're like, we're seeing this every time, dude. And so sometimes in this desire to get well in your relationship with Jesus, you've got to ask this question. Do you really trust do you trust him enough to receive correction from him? Genuine correction. If through the word he says, hey, you know what? You're locking your arms. Are you willing to receive that input and in correction when everything in you says, I'm fine? What's the problem? And it was, so I'm going around and around and around. I'm like, oh, kid you not. I was like, I was so discouraged. I was like, what are they seeing? I don't get this. I do not get this. And so I'm going around one time and I said, well, I'm just gonna try this. So I just I just rotated a little bit. I thought it did nothing. Right? I thought, okay, I'm just gonna sit up a little more. I did this little thing. And then I look over and they're like, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One hanging in there one little thing that wasn't related to my arms, one little thing affected my arms. And then they got the thumbs up. You see, when people come around you, don't fixate on what they're trying, it may not be this, it might be something else you have to adjust to change that. And all God's doing is bringing people into your life that love you, that care about you enough to speak the truth and say, hey, This is what we're seeing. This is what I'm seeing as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ. This is what I'm seeing. And maybe we can work together on this to get well, to get right. But are we at a place to receive that? Even in the church. And I think of two churches in Revelation. The church at Ephesus... Says, hey, you guys are doing great. You have sound doctrine. You kick out false teachers. You're doing really good. You have good church services. But Jesus says this. But I have this against you. You left your first love. Oh, really? What are you talking about, Jesus? We do church really good here at 1290 Grand. I know, but you left your first love. See, as a pastor, that would cut to the heart. But am I at a place as, as a pastor to receive that from the Lord? Hey. By the way, great church service, but you left them. Oh, that's correction. That's correction on the church level, right? And then the church at Laodicea, very, very sort of O'Hi city, very comfortable, very rich, very wealthy. And he says, Hey, you guys in that church, you're lukewarm. You say you don't need anything, and he says, But he says, is, You're naked, you're poor. You know what I mean? He's like hardcore in your face. Because the church at Laodicea had gotten comfortable materially and that translated into their spiritual lukewarmness and into that church, Jesus wanted to bring correction. He said, this is what I'm seeing, guys. This is what I'm seeing. So in this question, do you want to get well? Do you? Do you? Are you willing to receive loving Truth, primarily from Scripture. Are you willing to surround yourself with one or two people that that you genuinely (coughs) trust trust, to tell you the truth? Right? Do you want to get well? Are you willing to break out of what's comfortable? Are you willing to fix the crack in the windshield? You ever have an issue that you put up with for so long, and then you finally fix it, and you go, why did I take so long? Anyone? Right? It's the same thing spiritually. It's the same thing spiritually. I think spiritually, some of us have chips and cracks, and we just kind of, you know, right? And, and, and God's like, no, I'm bringing people in your life to help, to help you through this. You're not alone. You're not alone, right? And, and so as we move forward together as a church family, I want to encourage us. Transformation is a lifetime process. There is no stigma. Everyone say, no stigma. There is no stigma to not being perfect. Right? If you're sitting next to someone imperfect, smile at them. Don't raise your hand, because we don't want them to feel bad. <laughs> Who here is imperfect? Who here has an area that could use some wellness attention? Okay, put it up. Now look around, and look how good you feel. Okay? Look how good you feel, right? Don't you feel bad? Let's just, let's just clear the air. Fourth week together, people up at the well are messed up. Okay, let's just, let's just agree to be there, amen, because why, it's liberating, it's liberating, going to church, (laughs) you leave church feeling worse, because everyone looks like they got it all together, and your week was great, and your kids are great, and your marriage is great, and you leave here depressed, (laughs) gosh, I want to go back to that church, because everyone's so great, they're all smiling and healthy, I'm messed up! You know? No. We're all in this together. We all need wellness. Continuously. That's that's why God calls us to be the body of Christ. Amen? Now, I understand it's scary and it's risky. And we're not talking, you know, like, don't leave here in like five minutes and just like dump all your dirty laundry. You know, like, whoa! You know? I understand it's risky and it's scary because it involves relationships relationships. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Right? Men's barbecue. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of weird. What are we right? Classic men's barbecue. Hey there's a men's event. what are we gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those touchy feely things. Are we gonna sing? <laughs> what are we gonna do? <laughs> gentlemen? There is a volleyball net, ping pong corn what we call it? Thornhole. if You want to swing on the tire? Swing on the tire this afternoon. And we're not holding hands and singing Kumbaya. You have my word. We're just gonna be together and have fun. Amen. accessible, You don't have to sign anything with <laughs> right? We're not gonna bait and switch you. We just wanna have triceratops burgers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no weird thing. You're not going to hold hands around the circle table and hold hands and pray. There's, there's, It's relationship. Amen? And I understand, depending on, the, on your relational experiences and how you're wired, that R word, woo. But here's the thing. It's in relationship that we grow. It's in the sharing of lives as messy as it gets that we find true compassion, grace from one another. People who really care, who will really pray for you, really come alongside, help you move a house, help you whatever you need to do. Because no one in this room has it together. At some level, we all still need to get well. Because it's called sanctification. So okay. I talked to a friend yesterday who, uh, 11 years ago, they left Ohio. And before they left here, they had built all kinds of relationships. Very comfortable across the valley, just very relational knew all kinds of people. They moved uh, to another state, and he was sharing yesterday how challenging it was to go from being in to being the new kid on the block, even at church. He said, it was weird, because people come up and they meet you, but you could tell they don't really know you. And and it's taken 11 years for them to build relationships, to be comfortable. So I get the timeline. I get that it's a process. And we, you've seen us here. I mean, Pastor Tyler wears a goofy hat. That's kind of us. I mean, (laughs) what you see around here is what you get. We love Jesus. We love His words. We do our best to love each other. And and in the course of that, we we laugh, uh, we cry, we pray, we worship but we just try to do this together. And there's no stigma to not having it all together. All the time. We understand there's seasons of good and celebration, and then there's seasons of valleys. when things are just tough. And in both, I praise God that we have brothers and sisters here that we can share those with. Amen? Amen. That, that's what we do. So we're going we're to work through this together. Jesus asks him, Do you want to get well? He gives him his answer. In verse 8, Jesus says, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Pick up your mat, and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and walked. So Bill's going to come up and, and lead us into communion. and In our time of reflection day during communion, how would you respond to Jesus' question this morning? Do you want to get Now for some it might be a a salvation issue and your ultimate true wellness comes in a relationship with Jesus because ultimately the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in one sense we're all spiritually unwell because of sin. So the first step to getting well is a relationship with Christ. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. So you receive Jesus as the first spiritual wellness. If you've already done that then this morning, I encourage you to be open and say, Jesus, is there something in my life where my arms are locked and I'm just not seeing it? Is there something that in my life that I'm doing a around? Is there a crack in my windshield? Am I just sort of making do? Or is there something in my relationship with you or with my spouse or with my kids or with my work? Is there something in my life that needs to be made well? Just listen to his voice, and if this morning, maybe just be receptive. <coughs> just be receptive because he's for you. He loves you. He loves you, and he truly does want what's best for you. Because around here we say God is good all the time, time. and all the time, God is good. good. Do you believe that? That's right, Lord. You, you asked the man who has been in invalid. For 38 years, if you wanted to get well. And that's a question you ask us this morning. Maybe it's a salvation issue. And we need to get spiritually well, first and foremost. To receive you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. And then maybe there's an issue in our walk with you, Jesus, that, uh, quite frankly, we've been paralyzed for a long time. Paralyzed in circumstance, paralyzed even in our will to do something about it. So as we prepare for communion, as Bill comes up and leads us into communion, Lord, would you just speak to us individually about those areas where we, we need to get well. Word of encouragement. Before we leave, beginning of this month, first week of June, I had the opportunity to like, participate in the National Senior Games out in Birmingham, Alabama. And I left there humbled because uh, one of the days we were out on track, uh, they were running various heats of different age groups. And when I saw the 90-year-olds running the 100 meters, (laughs) I was (laughs) home. I was home. And it reminded me that, you know what, we don't ever stop running. We're in this together until our time is done on this planet. And God has placed us in the church family to cheer us on, to give us pointers, to encourage us, to hold us accountable. Because, accountable like it or not, the people you're sitting next to, they're running right along with you. And Sometimes they're going to go, come on. Sometimes you're going to go, come on. We can do this. And I'll never forget just the cheers that went up for these 90-plus-year-olds just out there. Finishing a hundred years, mm. and and I just uh, well done, mm. and I know that's our heart as we finish whatever whenever our time is done on this planet to hear Jesus say well done, and the good news as we do it together, Amen. Right. Amen, Amen, <laughs> Amen. Let's pray, Lord, thank you for our time together, and now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and give you peace. Yes. And Lord, as we leave, may we be salt and light in the high valley homes, to our communities, Lord, that all would know that Jesus is the source of living life. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen.